Hey everyone, welcome to Step Zero. Today we are here with uh, Jeff Reisley, founder of the Sales Health Alliance. Jeff has been one of the, I guess, few people who's consistently been talking about mental health in sales. And uh, for those people who are very active on LinkedIn, they'll probably uh, know that <laughs> by, by his content, there's quite a lot of content uh, published by Jeff in the, in the last, uh, I would say, year and a half. Um, Jeff, thank you for thank you for being our guest, and thank you for uh, you know um, supporting the cause and opening up about uh, mental health in sales. I know that you've done already. You've contributed a lot to the cause, and uh, so thank you for joining and uh, and uh, you know having a discussion with us today. Yeah, happy happy to be here, Matteo, and excited to see more people like yourself and Stepsero continuing to create awareness around mental health. So happy to happy to be here. Thank you. That's awesome, um, Jeff. Let's uh, let's um, kick off things, and uh, you know, like you're you're obviously, I would say, pretty well known within within the LinkedIn network. Uh, at least that's how I, I came across your profile, and that's how I I got in touch with the with your initiative, uh, Sales Health Alliance. Can you um, introduce yourself to you know to to those few people who haven't heard about you, and uh, and maybe uh, share a little more about your background? Why mental health is such a is such a big topic for you and mm -hmm. uh, and uh, ultimately why why you're uh, you're um, you know such a big advocate of mental health in sales specifically for sure so my name is as Matteo mentioned I'm, I'm my name is Jeff Risley I'm the founder of the sales health alliance and I created the sales health alliance to help empower sales teams to reach peak levels of sales performance and well-being through better mental health and this idea and this company was really born out of the uh, born out of my own experience with mental health and sales. So probably the best thing to do would be to go back to where it all began. So this was uh, just over 10 years ago now. I started working in sales and it was the classic sales room, sailor's boiler room type of environment. I was being measured on whether or not I could make $200 a day, achieve two and a half hours of talk time. And if you were if you weren't hitting your metrics you were let go pretty quickly so it was very much a, a sink or swim type of environment and i managed to do pretty well there uh, i was became one of the top reps within north america for the for the company and performed at a high level but what was really interesting was behind the scenes i was struggling with my mental health quite badly and it was when i was first introduced to what mental health was so i had really bad anxiety really terrible insomnia and started to get really bad panic attacks, especially in the middle of the night. And I think it was after the, the third panic attack that I got um, that put me in the hospital when I started to realize that all of, the, all of the things that was happening on a sales floor was building up and really having an impact on you know, being able to cope and manage stress in an effective way. So I was like, well, I, should, I, I need to do something about this. So I went to see my doctor. He prescribed me some anxiety medication tried it for two to three months, which I didn't really like, um, simply because it really disconnected me from my emotions, but more importantly, my intuition, which I felt I leaned on pretty heavily to be successful in sales and being able to pick up on those little buying signals. So I really had a, uh, I really had to figure out a way if I wanted to continue this career in sales, which I absolutely loved at the time, I needed to figure out a way to make myself more resilient. And going to therapy was still highly stigmatized 10 years ago. So mental health really just became a passion of mine. 
and learning everything that I could about what it was, how to handle it, you know, what are the best practices, what's happening in the brain. And fast forward to July of 2018, I had just launched my first sales consulting website and three days later I was diagnosed with testicular cancer. And what was a, kind of a, 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 an aha moment, something that was kind of crystallizing was uh, all of the same strategies that I was using to take care of my mental health and sales. I started to execute on this other time and this other period in my life. And that's when I started to realize that, you know, anxiety and sales is not optional. It's part of everyday life. And there's no space on the sales floor to talk about this. And it's crazy. It's the simple belief that anxious, depressed, and burnt out reps are going to underperform. Um, so let's start a conversation and give them tools to manage these stressful situations and manage their mental health in a, in a more effective way. And here we are today with the Sales Health Alliance. I mean, thank you for, well, first of all, thank you for being very open about this. Um, it's, you know, it's not for everyone. And, and you have a very interesting interesting story. I think a lot of people would relate to that. Um, so if I, if I understand correctly, I mean, you speak about, you know, um, everything starting 10 years ago, um, you, you were actually, let's say you like sales, right? And you liked doing sales. It's not that you were hating your job and, uh, and you were performing pretty well, right? So you mm -hmm. even got awarded and, and despite all of that, you were still, uh, under a lot of stress. Right. So mm -hmm. first of all, I would say one takeaway, at least that that it's very relevant for me is is, you know, you don't necessarily need to hate your job or to to go through a series of of bad results or or necessarily underperform to to start being stressed. Right. If anything, probably because you were performing so well and you wanted to keep performing well, then you are pushing yourself um, to, I guess, to to even um, higher levels of stress. Is that is that incorrect? Yeah, uh, you're spot on. And I think something that really helped me very early on was my first manager. Uh, he, he really, uh, he, he, I look at him as a mentor to me and he really did a good job helping me see the, the value that learning sales and working in sales has and how it connects to every other aspect of your life. Like it's not just about kind of selling one product. Um, the more you kind of learn to build empathy learn different ways to be aware of when someone someone is influencing you how to be a better communicator all of those different skills that you learn in sales apply to every other aspect of your life whether it's the relationships you have you know when someone's trying to sell you something these are skills that are extremely important that have served me extremely well now when i've been kind of trying to build and start my own start my own business so for sure like that was that was a very early connection that i made that um that made me very passionate about the topic but you're absolutely right like it still had a huge impact like my mental health was still suffering because unlike other careers that you know or typical office careers that that people will face or people will enter salespeople are just bombarded with you know different trigger events on the on a day-to-day -day basis whether it's rejection whether it's being micromanaged by a manager whether it's missing target or deals falling through or buyers ghosting like they face all of these emotions every single day and especially for new salespeople that don't necessarily know what mental health is these emotions can be extremely overwhelming and even though you can perform 
usually your way of coping are through bad habits like drinking or finding different ways to avoid these emotions. And after it just builds up, like that's the thing with mental health and with anxiety and, and, and depression, the more you try to bury something and push it away, that the more energy they come back to pop their heads up when you're least expecting it. And for me, it was always in the middle of the night when things were extremely quiet. I was by myself. I had no distractions and my mind just starts to circle and you start to becoming overwhelmed. You slip into that downward spiral. So you're totally right that you can definitely perform in sales, but, uh, but still be struggling and, and putting on a, a mask every day to make sure that you're not sharing you're not letting people, you're, you're letting people know that you're the, the strong salesperson that isn't suffering. Right. Which is, which is, I guess, you know, the, the, I guess the obvious reaction for, let me say, you know, let me you know, pass me the term leaders who, uh, who are uh, very concerned about the financial bottom line is, you know, these problems can happen also to the highest performing uh, sales manager in my team. So uh, let alone the others, right? Like, so I assume that, somebody who is underperforming almost automatically if, if he or she cares about, about, the, about the job and the performance would automatically experience um, stress and anxiety. Uh, so I would say what I'm trying to say is, you know, if my, if my best person in the team is having this issue, then I can expect pretty much everyone else in the team to, to crumble at some point. Definitely. And that was some, that was an, that was one thing that I wanted to explore for one of the first things I wanted to explore when I first started sales health Alliance was specifically in sales, like how many people, how many salespeople are struggling with their mental health. And what was, what was interesting is kind of like the general mental health statistic that you'll see floated around by, you know, the big mental health organizations that are creating awareness is the number they always use is one in five salespeople will struggle, or sorry, one in five people in general, average person will struggle with their mental health. Uh, I think in Europe, it's more like one in six. So you guys are doing a little better job over there. But when I started to look at salespeople specifically, I have almost 500 responses from salespeople. And the result is uh, more than two in five salespeople struggle with their mental health. So more than double the average population. So it's 43%. And I also looked at it based off of years of experience and, and role and, and role type years of experience. It doesn't really change. It still fluctuates around that two in five number, but for new salespeople like SDRs and BDRs, it's, it's about 54%, which is, which is huge. Um, so it's the, the writings on the wall for sales organizations. If you know more than 40% of your sales team is struggling with their mental health at some point during their career, or during the day, you need to be there providing them with the right solutions to navigate these struggles that they're facing to help them build resilience um, so that they can respond in a mentally healthy way and get back to performing at a high level because you can't perform when, or you can't perform consistently for a long period of time. It's just going to lead to lead to burnout. Well, and, and that's something that I I particularly like about the content that you put out. Because, like for again, like you know, like a lot of people know about uh, Sales Health Alliance by now. But like what I what I particularly like about the content you 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 provide people with is that a lot of it, if not all of it, is based on research and often your own research, right? Like so, um, you you conducted a few surveys. 
uh, over the, the past few months and, and uh, it came to my mind because you mentioned statistics, you know, you, you, you said that uh, 54, 54% of, uh, of SDRs experience uh, mental health issues, um, but you also spoke about triggers. Um, there is uh, one survey that I found very insightful and that's, if I'm not mistaken, is a survey that you conducted in 2019 and that's about 16 triggers or the 16 main triggers, so to speak, uh, that, uh, that salespeople uh, experience. And mm -hmm. the, the most interesting thing about this survey or the results of this survey that you conducted is the top two triggers were uh, micromanagement and missing the target, I believe. Yep. But yep. the last one, uh, which is even more interesting, is uh, rejection. So taking no as an answer. And, uh, and, and this is kind of like counterintuitive, at least where I come from, because a lot of sales coaching is actually about reacting to rejection and about mm -hmm. rejection. You know, like I, I went through a couple of sales training in the past where we were even, uh, we were even asked to come up with, uh, with email templates about how to handle no's and handle rejections. But in your mm -hmm. service, this is the last concern almost it seems for, uh, for salespeople. Is this, was this any surprising to you or this, I would say, would this lead to further insights? Was still like a, a crucial starting point for you to, um, to I guess, continue this, uh, this research that you put out? So when I first did the survey, I, I definitely thought it was surprising because everyone talks about, you know, how hard rejection is in sales. It's kind of like the go-to. And the more I've kind of learned about human behavior, how we normally respond to rejection, uh, it, it, it wasn't as surprising looking at that survey now, whatever it was, a year later. And the, the reason why rejection is... The reason why I think that is, is because within sales, like we have to get rejected and you're consistently forced to embrace rejection on every call, especially if you're in a high volume type of sales environment, you consistently have to expose yourself to rejection. If you're making a hundred calls a day, you're going to get rejected on like 95 to 90% of those calls. And that's one of like the best practices when it comes to when it comes to mental health and, and navigating mental health is we have a tendency to want to avoid situations that make us uncomfortable and within sales our managers are consistently consistently there pushing us to hit our metrics every single day so we're consistently exposing ourselves to rejection and over time we develop a develop a resilience to the to rejection so it makes sense that you know it's something that salespeople learn to navigate because they've experience it so frequently now with missing target for example that's something that's happens less frequently and is way more traumatic it's something that's feared it's something that a lot of sales teams and sales organizations don't have any compassion for or support for so when you miss target you know you miss it once or twice you're usually placed on a performance improvement program or you're let go as well, you get all of this other kind of feedback from peers that are working within the organization that, so you see people who miss target, they get fired, miss target, get fired. So compare that to seeing, you know, 20, 30 people every day that you're surrounded with getting rejected every day and being okay and pushing through it compared to 
you know, when someone misses target once or twice, they're let go. So it's very easy and it's perpetuated in sales to develop a belief that missing target is in fact dangerous and is in fact a really big threat that I should be very scared of. Well, that's, that's very clear. And I appreciate you clarifying the, uh, the rejection issue and it makes a lot of sense. I mean, nowadays, like there's more and more people speaking about resilience. It wasn't as much, you know, a few years ago, like, you said it yourself, right? Like when you started like having experienced certain issues 10 years ago, nobody was, was speaking about this topic, which is, you know, nowadays even, it's not that much spoken about. So I can imagine back then. Um, and this leads me to, I guess, the core of the discussion, which, which we wanted to have today, that is kind of filling this gap where needed and, uh, and think about what should uh, sales look like in the future and specifically how can we, I guess, prepare sales representatives, uh, you know, not necessarily uh, more junior um, SDRs, but any sales representative uh, to perform and still care about, you know, safeguard their, their mental health, right? And I would say the first question, and, and this should probably uh, kind of like get the ball rolling, on my end would be, does the change start, in your opinion, with salespeople specifically or with their managers and their leaders and I would say, I don't know, like stakeholders of the organization as a, as a whole, or would it be specifically, uh, would you say that it has to specifically start with sales, uh, with salespeople? So I think the, the key place to start is stakeholders. So everyone from the CEO down to like the frontline sales manager, like the leaders need to be the ones in the forefront leading these discussions. Mm -hmm. uh, they need to pave the way by talking about their own experience with mental health and sales. If they don't know how to do that, they should learn how to kind of embrace those difficult emotions and experiences and learn about how to open up and start talking about it. Because you can't really go to a sales team as a sales leader and say, okay, we're gonna start talking about mental health. Hey, Billy or Sally, you know, what have you been struggling with? Because they're going to feel like it's a trap. Like up until this point, I hear stories all of the time from salespeople that um, individual contributors who open up about their mental health and three weeks later they're let go or it, the organization, as bad as it sounds, looks at it as an opportunity to get rid of underperformers who are simply just struggling with their mental health. So unless it starts with the sales leaders, they need to be the ones that are, are, are leading the way to create that safe space and start sharing more openly and not expect anything in return initially, but consistently open the discussion around mental health and create spaces, whether it's at the beginning of or end of meetings, to talk about mental health and share some of their struggles. And more and more people will start to open up. And we see this happening with with COVID-19, that a lot of people are rallying around COVID-19 and building this shared compassion with this external threat. And mental health is a threat and something that everyone struggles with. And it's gonna be here long after the, the, the pandemic goes away. So now is the perfect time to start having these conversations. So I think that's that's one part to, to sort of answer your question. And a second piece is, I, I think it's very hard. Like I think right now, where a lot of you know mental health and organizations is is getting it wrong 
is they're trying to approach mental health for the entire organization all at once. And I get that they want to be fair to their employees, but at the same time, a business is a revenue generator. So they're, unless there's they, a business sees a direct correlation to increased revenue or performance, they're not going to do it. And as a result, they're putting in these kind of band-aids, you know, mental health solutions, like here's a mental health, here's a meditation app for our entire organization or whatever it is. But the reason why I'm starting with sales is one, I, it's, it's the, it's the department and that I know the best I have shared experiences within it, but as well, sales or sales organizations and sales teams are measured on anywhere from, I don't know, like five to 20 different metrics on a day-to-day basis that are measuring their performance. So when you start to make these changes to start improving mental health, the real input metrics of an organization, you'll be able to see a direct correlation to improvements in mental health leads to improvements across all of these different factors. Like I came across a study earlier today that said, looking at one metric, which is sleep, and they ran a study on a Fortune 500 company uh, from, on global sales teams, and they found that when they improved the sleep of their sales team and sales reps, outbound efforts increased by 50% and revenue increased by 14%. And that's one metric. So if you start to include all of these other mental health metrics and start improving all that, you can only imagine how, how sales performance and revenue will, will be improved. So but that's, why that's why I'm saying sales, you need to start with sales to get that case study, that kind of pilot and that proof of concept to say, wow, mental health leads to tremendous performance improvements. Um, now let's look at rolling it out to different organizations and tailoring a program specific to their triggers and where they're struggling. Well, that makes a lot of sense. I, well, I, I come from a sales background as well. And, uh, and I guess like we have a similar situation in the sense that I also, I very much like sales. I like, you know, I probably wouldn't be able to, uh, to not include sales in, in, in my job because I'm, I'm very talkative. I like relating to people. And, uh, and I think there is one very big misconception about sales nowadays that, um, you know, sometimes leaders and managers take advantage of is that you are kind of almost reduced sometimes as a, as a sales manager to just going through a list of cold prospects and either calling them up or cold emailing them. And that, in my opinion, at least like that heavily contributes to, uh, to, you know, first of all, creating stress and second of all, making work not meaningful. Right. And, uh, and I know that you spoke about, you know, the, the meaning of work and making work meaningful. And, uh, and now you, you just mentioned that um, obviously one good place to start, maybe the best place to start is to, is to look at uh, the sales department and rethink processes, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, for example, let's call it self-care around, around sleep, I assume, uh, you know, maybe even um, good nutrition, why not? You know, like uh, just like starting to take care of people. Can you think of any other area or any other, you know, we spoke about performance, any other process um, that, that people or leaders in this case should look at first? So would it be, in your opinion, should it be, let's say, okay, we start with the sales team and, uh, and we, look at, we look at which processes? Would it be, do you think, straight into uh, performance? Would it be more, more in, the, in the area of, uh, of self-care? Would you educate people on, 
maybe EQ and resilience and, and things like that. Yeah. So the, uh, so I think there's like two areas, like I think self-care is a huge component of it. So mm-hmm. a lot of like the, a lot of like the, like I said, the input metrics are things like, are they sleeping right? Are they taking care of themselves? Are they exercising? Are they meditating? You can also look at things like levels of self-esteem that will impact kind of their, you know, how confident they are. Um, you know, how much pain are they in? Are they anxious, depressed? Like all of these things are, are, are key things to kind of keep a measure on. But I think the other, the other big component of this and the other thing is, is, going back to your point around EQ and resilience training is helping salespeople understand how to respond to stressful situations in a mentally healthy way. So there's kind of those self-care. I look at things you do consistently to build resilience um, and keep your mind functioning at a high level. But the other part is like when you encounter that, you know, that deal falling through, do you know how to, one, you know, what does mental health, like what does anxiety, depression feel like when it's manifesting in your body, when you're bought in your body? And two, do you have the right ways to navigate these extremely strong emotions like anger, embarrassment, you know, shame, doubt, whatever it is, do you know how to navigate them in a mentally healthy way and respond with good habits? Or do you avoid these situations and push them away, which a lot of sales teams typically do is, you know, do I go to the bar? Do I do drugs? Do I play video games for hours? Do I, do I go out and, um, do do I look like for some quick sex or something? Like it's, it's all, it's all kind of, you know, changing how we navigate these stressful situations in 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 a mentally healthy way. And, from my, from my experience working in sales and something that really helped me kind of really embrace this mental health approach is salespeople are extremely stubborn people. Um, they will rarely do something unless they know why it's important. And that's where sort of the discussion that I start to talk about is we all know things like, you know, exercise and meditation and gratitude. We all know these things are are good for us, but we still don't do them because rarely do we know why they're important. So part of what I try to talk about and what I try to teach is helping people understand how these things change. You know, one, when you encounter a stressful situation, how does your brain change? And two, how can you use these different strategies to change your brain back to keep it functioning at a high level rather than essentially learning ways to avoid slipping into a downward spiral and how do you create an upward spiral from these situations? And it's something that I've used consistently, whether it's through a pandemic, whether it's through going through cancer, you know, all of the different challenges as a small business owner, like the same process is, is the same. Once you understand how that brain changes and kind of how you can work with it to respond in a mentally healthy way, like everything opens up and it becomes way more efficient to achieving high performance. That's, you know, there, I was, uh, while you were talking, there's, there's a quote that I, that I love, which goes something like, um, when you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change, right? Yeah. And, uh, and this is pretty much what you are what you're referring to. I mean, you, obviously, I, I kind of like just minimized what you were talking about, like just by uh, quoting someone. Uh, but uh, but this is exactly what it is, right? Like you. So what you part of what you're trying to do in your in your uh, 
path to, I guess, journey to better education in, in, uh, in, on the subject is to help people rewire their, their brain. And like you said, like navigate certain emotions and, and react differently to something that maybe was, uh, was considered a trigger until, until some, some time before, right? Mm -hmm. uh, so that's, that's obviously a big part of it. And also, uh, you, do, you make like usually a lot of, and, and this is another part of, of your content that I particularly like, you make a lot of analogies between salespeople and either students or athletes, right? Because exactly because of that, because uh, students in every academic level, they are constantly judged on performance, but at the same time, they are not trained to uh, react in a positive way to stress, right? Like, so they, you know, they, they are required to prepare several exams at once sometimes, uh, but mm -hmm. they get no support when it comes to, when it comes to handling stress. And this is a subject that you specifically spoke about in one of your uh, previous interviews in one of the previous podcasts that you were, that you were called on. And I found it very fascinating that you, that you compared, uh, you know, salespeople to something, you know, not everyone might be familiar with the, with the life of a salesperson, but a lot of people know what it is like to be a student, right? And, and I think that really resonated with, uh, uh, with uh, the information that I, was, that I was looking at back then. Do you still think that, or let me phrase it this way, do you think that in that sense, schools and the way we look at, at studies and, uh, and uh, education uh, should be uh, revisited? Do you, think, do you think it's still the case that, uh, that um, uh, students are not prepared the right way eventually for, um, I wouldn't say life in general, but definitely for a sales role? Do you, do you feel that this is the case? 100%. Like, I think the whole education system is, is totally broken for the most part. Um, like, I think it's, it's not, it's, it's a very rigid uh, it's a very rigid structure. And what I mean by that is it's primarily rewarding people that can, th that deliver on outcomes that can deliver high, deliver high grades. And the only thing that's really being rewarding rewarded is whether or not you re re receive a 90% on a test. And as a result from a very early age, it's putting people into buckets of they are very smart or they are a failure and they're very dumb. And when you imprint that onto kids from a very early age, that has a huge impact on how they develop and how they approach other, you know, competitive types of environments. They start, they start to fear failure and they start to kind of believe that they're a failure. And when they leave, when they start to believe they're a failure, that totally changes their perspective on, on how they uh, approach failure and approach growth. So when you're consistently focusing on outcomes and people that are being, you know, for me, like this, this has had a huge impact on me up until kind of university, like I'm being rewarded for how much I can cram into my, my head, you know, a couple hours before a test to then regurgitate it onto the test and, you know, get a grade that proves that I'm like successful at, you know, shoveling information in and, and trying trying to retain it like it, it isn't measuring the comp complex learning that goes into uh, being able to connect key concepts together and that's where I think kind of you know we're so focused on tests but projects and 
presentations and things that have us kind of connect and bring to life our 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 own ideas is is extremely important, especially within within schools. And I think the other the other thing where where the education system falls short is it really rewards people to be a master of none, and it rewards people that can get good grades across multiple different subjects that don't really connect to each other when in reality the business world rewards people that are experts within within an within a within a niche for example so for me i'm a very niche expert on kind of mental health and sales and as a result like you know i'm being rewarded for that and i think organization or schools for example force us to take too many different courses and expect us to do well in too many different areas that when we find that topic, we find that area, we find that kind of that, that course that we really like a lot, it doesn't allow us the time to invest more time and more effort into becoming an expert in that space because we still need to perform across all of the different, uh, all of the different other courses and topics that we're taking. So as a result, it stunts learning and, all you want to do is become like really involved and passionate about this one topic, which is going to get rewarded in the business world. And instead we have other areas where we might think that we're less capable when we fail at things that we're not interested in, for example. I'm happy to ask this question because I think this was probably the best answer that I could ever get. Like it's, it's, it was very, very clear. I mean, it's not just your point of view. I think it's, it's a lot of people's point of view, but you have a very, nice and clear way of delivering it so thank you for that um and you know we're, we're heading towards the end of the episode and let me let me tell you all first of all you know thanks for for providing us with so much information i think it was very very insightful um i would like to to you know uh, speak a little more about sales health alliance specifically right like this is a project that is very that is very dear to you like i said you're delivering tons of useful content if if you know any of the listeners have has never checked it out please do so that's that's a lot of value there um what are you trying to achieve or where do you see sales health alliance going in the future yeah so it's it's all it's all around like i said creating salespeople. Uh, sorry creating awareness around mental health and sales and empowering sales teams to reach peak levels of performance and well-being through better mental health. That's the, at the core, everything the Sales Health Alliance is doing is around that foundation. And it's around changing that perspective around salespeople being treated like numbers and, you know, cogs in a machine to treating them like corporate athletes that need to prioritize their mental health and their fitness uh, to reach these peak levels of performance. So going forward, um, this pandemic is obviously has obviously changed um, a lot of kind of the way my business runs. Initially, it was providing corporate workshops to companies and speaking engagements and all that good good stuff. But obviously, with the pandemic, those those engagements aren't really possible. So, um, I'm about to launch a online course that helps that that is essentially all of my content rolled up into helping people understand that anxiety, like I said, anxiety in sales is not optional, and how do you kind of help improve sales performance and help salespeople become less anxious, depressed and burnt out. So that's the first step, but the ultimate goal for, for the organization that I'm hoping to get to in the next kind of six months to a year is to find one or two organizations that believe in this 
believe that mental health is important to better sales performance and finding people, finding teams to work with that are open to running longer term pilots where we actually start being able to measure the, those input metrics that we discussed earlier and their input and their impact across all the different sales KPIs that, um, that, that sales teams are being measured on. Because if we really want to change this discussion around mental health and sales and why it's important, salespeople and sales teams are extremely data-driven these days. So as soon as we get some case studies that really show, here's the input and what we did to improve mental health, and here's the direct output, which I would expect to be extremely massive, um, then the whole, we break the wheel in terms of how sales organizations are currently run. And we're in a position to prioritize mental health and well-being for sales teams going forward and, and help a lot of people. All right. Obviously, we should be stuck with that. I believe, I don't want to jinx it, but I believe that you'll have a lot of success with, uh, with uh, so. Sales Health Alliance or, or any webinars. You know, like I, like I said, like I come from a sales background myself, uh, Dora as well, and, uh, and we find your content exceptional, very practical, very actionable, right? Like there's very little fluff, I would say none. And, uh, and like I said, like a lot of, of your insights are based on data and, uh, and some of them are based even on your own data, your own surveys. So, and, and that's not something that you come across very frequently. Actually, I would say you, you rarely come across that. Um, let me wrap this up, maybe asking you one final question and uh, kind of a lighter question. If you, if you allow, like, um, what would be, I guess one practice, one, one suggestion, one, one piece of advice for people who either want to start a career in sales and they're kind of like, I, you know, kind of doubting whether they, they can handle the pressure of, of being a salesperson uh, or, uh, you know, so either to, to somebody who's looking to build a career in sales or to somebody who's, uh, who's already in sales and is uh, considering whether or not that's a good choice for them. Do you have any... I would say tip, advice, anything that they could lean on uh, in uh, in tough moments. Yeah, like I think it's I think it's just changing your your perspective on on sales and and it's understanding that we have a natural tendency to avoid discomfort and uncomfortable situations, and as a result, we get put stuck in our comfort zone. We get stuck in boxes that make it very hard to live a very meaningful life. For example, like I would never be, you know, out on my own trying to start a conversation around mental health and sales if it wasn't for sales as an environment consistently putting me in a state of discomfort to learn and grow and kind of figure out the best ways to embrace my anxiety and embrace my, and embrace my fear. So it's really changing that perspective that sales is like, like, like my first manager told me, it really connects and applies to so many different aspects of your life. It will make your relationships better. It'll make your, you know, your income better. It'll make your like meaningful experiences better. So like, it's, it's just, it just connects to so many different things. And it's just changing that perspective to really embrace the discomfort. And you're unlikely to find another career outside of sales that puts you in con- uncomfortable situations consistently and encourages you, encourages you to grow at such a rate. Um, so it's, that's why I love it. Like it's, it's, it's amazing just, just because of that. So if you're looking for a meaningful life, looking to grow at a high level and kind of get to that dream spot where you're working for yourself 
or have the kind of like the confidence to explore your own ideas uh, and say stick with it because sales will will get you there if you really kind of dive into it and, and embrace the discomfort. Well, just Jeff, I hope a lot of people listen to this. Like, uh, this is this is great advice. It definitely, well, it helps me directly as well, right? Like, because uh, I I did, I, I have wondered sometimes whether I should pursue doing sales or not. I think what you say is very true, uh, certainly meaningful, and I mean your experience and 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 what you're doing speaks for itself, right? So, uh, if this is of any help to people, then, uh, then it's good that you, you know, encourage people to either stick to sales or at least give it a try and, and find out that it's not, it's not all that, uh, uh necessarily, uh, cold calling and cold emailing. There's a lot more to, to sales, right. And there's a lot more to sales that can impact any area of your life. Uh, Jeff, thank you so much for, for being our guest. And, uh, and, you know, I, I would talk to you like, uh, uh, maybe for another couple of hours, like maybe we'll, uh, hopefully we'll have the chance to speak to you again, but uh, thank you so much for sharing your, your perspective on things. Yeah. I appreciate it, Matteo. And uh, thanks again for all, all the work you're doing with Step Zero and, and helping to create more awareness around this topic. We need more, more champions and advocate, like, advocates like, like yourself. So I appreciate awesome. it. And, and you know, it's uh, sa- same goes for you and, and thanks for, uh, and hopefully I'll, I'll see, I'll keep seeing uh, more and more content coming, coming from, uh, from your LinkedIn profile, from Sales Health Alliance. I'm looking forward to your webinar. So best of luck with everything and speak soon. Sounds good. Thanks, Patel.